Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Work has been identified as an essential aspect of life from both psychological and anthropological perspectives. In fact, satisfying employment is related to both mental and physical health. So I'm partnering up today with Dr. Lanisha Adams, Principal Consultant at Edlinguist Solutions. We're going to talk about vocational development across our lifespan, explore the impact of our vocational identity, and address what happens when our work life isn't meeting our needs or worse, it's hurting us. Welcome to Wit and Reason, hosted by psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. Dr. Moreno brings her expertise to providing smart and practical explanations on human behavior by interviewing diverse health experts regarding today's ever-evolving life and culture, turning social science and research into relatable, accessible, and useful information you can use. Listen now as Dr. Moreno brings a little bit of positive mental health to your day. Say you're a person employed full-time for 40 years, working 40 hours a week, maybe taking two weeks of vacation, you're spending 80,000 hours in vocation activities. Work and career have a central role in most adult and adolescent lives. Not only does work provide compensation for meeting our basic needs like food and shelter, it also has important psychological meaning. Dr. Lanisha, Tell us more about the role of work across the lifespan. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexis, for having me on the show. Um, one of the things I'd like to start out by um, talking about is really thinking about one's career development as a lifelong learning process. Lifelong learning is really at the heart of every form of career that it takes. So you might learn in a traditional brick and mortar school or college, you might take online courses, but it's important to emphasize that all of these do not necessarily need to lead to a degree. And sometimes when we're thinking and talking about learning and developing in one's career, it's like I need to go and get something very concrete mm -hmm. and then that will help me get to the next phase. And when I work with my clients, one of the things that I really emphasize is skill development over time. So um, 
one of the things that in corporate settings uh, and the tech industry, well-respected certifications are more like valuable than advanced degrees necessarily. So I say all of that to really think about career as a process and um, development not as a one-time event. So mm-hmm. it's more of an iterative process that have five major components. Okay. And I've classified them according to like having a futuristic focus mm-hmm. where you brand yourself according to your uniqueness, thinking ahead about what you potentially want. You have definite knowledge of self um, that really looks um, for patterns and insights and are based on your strengths and um, aspirations, which are, again, unique to you as an individual. Right. Uh, you take action, and that requires you to like set goals and um, make decisions to advance. And then you think about your E sort of valuation, like uh-huh. sort of how much money um, you can put to the skills and experience and years that you have, and really then look at your options to explore them. And it helps to do that with people that you know, people that are in the field that you want to um, get to, and then also um, experts who are coaches and can help guide you through that process. And then do you see people going through this these stages um, multiple times throughout their their career development? Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I... I, I I think that most people go through, I don't, I don't think of it like one stage versus another. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you're in a job and you, you are coming up to where you have to negotiate your salary. You might not be happy with the money that you're getting paid. Right. And it's like, you have to go to your employer and say, I, when I came into this job, I had these sets of skills and I was getting paid this much. And based off of all the things that I did and accomplished, here's what I should get paid now. Mm-hmm. That conversation with that employer should be thought of like you're thinking about getting a new position. And some sometimes, you know, like this evaluation process that I described yeah. sort of forces you to start exploring. And then once you start exploring, then you start thinking, is this what I really want? Mm-hmm. What else might, what other aspects of my life might be impacted by this? And I totally think that um, one of the advice major advices that I give is you should always be in this process of self-reflection and reflexivity where Mm -hmm. you really kind of question yourself about where you are and then where you want to be. And if where you are isn't working, you know, you have kind of the uh, capacity to mobilize in advance. Right. And I definitely appreciate the idea of evaluation all the time, like ongoing evaluation to make sure you're where you want to be. So, um, Bluestein, Dr. Bluestein, in uh, his article in 2006, identified that work has several implications. It provides people with a sense of identity. It has unique personal meaning to each individual. It allows individuals to contribute to the welfare of their social and cultural groups and is a, con- is a constant that connects us to other human beings. So, how do you work with someone who's just starting their career development process um, or someone who's beginning to explore a career shift while keeping all of this in mind as far as how important a person's career and, and work is? So I'll talk about two examples. One is yeah. with someone who's um, 18 and another with someone who's 50. Right. So when you're 18 and you just have finished high school, I, I kind of 
it's important to think about it in terms of ages and phases of career because when you're 18, maybe you've worked two years. Um, I'm working with a lot of youth who mm -hmm. even they have two years of work experience, which is kind of amazing yeah. in the district um, to really see these youth knocking it out of the park with years of experience when they're young. But you're 18, you um, this one person in particular I'm thinking of, they did not go to college. They mm -hmm. took some classes at a community college and then it didn't work for them. So mm -hmm. they're working at a cafe. The vision and the dream that they really want to pursue, where they really want to end up, is owning their own bakery one day. Mm -hmm. And I start there. What is your ultimate end goal? And that's based on what are your true heart's desires, aspirations, passions. And from there, then we can say, what do you need in terms of skill to get to that point. Right. And so when we're th when she, this one client that I'm thinking of in particular, when she's charting her, her process, she's sort of like, I work at the cafe. The cafe gives me a sense of what I might need to do to develop, you know, client uh, customers. And then she's like, well, I don't really, this cafe doesn't really have the vibe, doesn't really have the kind of um, environment that I want to create when I open my new cafe. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, where might you find that? And so she then mapped out a whole process to go and find this particular cafe she went and found it and now works in that particular cafe. Great. So when she's thinking about, okay, well, what other things do I have? Like, this is how you cr uh, cultivate a repeat customer base. Now I want to focus on environment. Well, she wants to own a bakery, then she needs the skills of being a baker. Uh -huh. And so that's one of her next phases. So she's working now, and in about a year, she'll have enough money saved to then think about what kind of training program for bakery school would mm -hmm. and in the D DMV would help her get to her ultimate goal. Right. And that's kind of amazing, right? So you start thinking about the pieces and then you piece them together. So that's the 18-year-old. Yeah. The 50-year-old has had a whole lifetime of work, 25 mm -hmm. years, um, and then they're switching careers from something that's non-tech to tech. Um, this one, this person in particular is like, I don't have a tech background. I don't know what I might do to get a tech background. Mm -hmm. They don't have a tech degree. And so um, they went online and signed up for a Coursera course to really focus on um, Python, you know, program coding and development, and then got a, a project management certification, um, networked on, on LinkedIn, uh -huh. and then was able to find their next, make their next move. Um, and so I think that like, even w those two examples where one person has a lifetime of experience and the other one doesn't, yeah. you know, you sort of have this sense of you can still keep your end goal and aspiration in mind and then really work with what you have to, to get to where you want to be. Right. And I really appreciate that strategic thoughtfulness of we're not just making aimless decisions in our career. We're really thinking about and reflecting, what do I want my end goal to be? And then now, what decisions do I need to make in order to get there? And, you know, as you mentioned in your examples, it takes a lot <laughs> to, to get there. It takes a lot of different uh, knowledge sets. It takes a lot of different experiences um, in the field to be able to really get to those end goals. So with our jobs playing such a significant role in our lives, Experiencing any kind of rupture or dissonance can take a major toll on various aspects of our well-being. So let's talk more in depth about some of the major struggles and how to overcome them. All right, so unemployment. 
Work promotes well-being by serving a protective function for aversive life events and experiences. The attainment of work has been shown to correlate negatively with criminal activity, substance abuse, and other mental health concerns. So when we're talking about involuntary unemployment um, among both youth and adults, now that's going to be associated with numerous negative health outcomes, including increased depression and anxiety. So it doesn't just end there with I'm unemployed, I don't have a job, but then it impacts other aspects of our well-being. So what advice do you have for someone who is unemployed? Uh, the major thing I would say about if you're unemployed is, um, like once again, what what is your true heart's content? Mm-hmm. What do you aspire to do or to be? And where is that environment? You identify that, number one. Yeah. That's a very, um, some people like to think of this as non-essential. I find that that is essential if you want to live a purpose-driven life and really find the right fit for your talents. And, you know, we're spending a lot of time, you listed off all these stats about uh-huh. how many hours we spend working in yeah. a year and in our lifetime. And I, I think that this is extremely an important part of the process. The other thing that I want to mention is um, I work with a couple of clients who are unemployed and they don't have their LinkedIn profile mm-hmm. complete. Yeah. If you have a hundred percent complete LinkedIn profile, they've done LinkedIn has done research to show that you have like forty times more opportunities mm-hmm. than those who do not have that. Um, you complete your LinkedIn profile, you put in your headline that you are looking for an opportunity to wow whatever employer that's next, right. and recruiters and other folks using that platform to hire will look do searches and you will come up in their search. And right. if you're complete, it'll appear um, higher in the in the search algorithm, which is important for people to know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's those are two very simple sort of things you can do. Really practical. Um, yeah. That are that are very practical. The mm-hmm. other thing is to really know your strengths and um, have some kind of assessment. A lot of folks have maybe haven't had the chance to do like Gallup Strengths Finders or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there are free ones. There's a Values in Action Survey, the VIA Survey, um, and we'll cl- include a link. Uh, you know, in the, yeah, we'll add that to the website so you um, can check it out. And so, and that will tell you, okay, based off of not only your true heart's desire, but what are your values? What are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. And then also, what are your, what are you good at? And, and then you can have this sense that will motivate you based on data about who you are. Maybe you haven't thought about that. Maybe you don't have that insight, but that's really important to mm-hmm. then motivate you to sort of go and do something that requires a lot of risk. There's a huge emotional risk when you are unemployed and you might not feel motivated all the time, especially if you keep trying and, and keep putting things out and you're not getting the results that you want. And so it's the the last part I'll say is to really have a very network of how you might search for a job. So a lot of people use Google or Indeed.com, mm-hmm. but there are tons and I have about 10 yeah. uh, links that will also... That will add, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> so you want to um, sort of look at not just focus on one monster is a huge one, but there's so many that um, folks don't even think about or know about. Mm-hmm. And I think having a varied list to um, increase your odds is yeah. really helpful. Yeah, I would suggest looking um, at organizations that are sp- specific for that field or right. that industry Absolutely. versus going to the monster where 
employers put that out and they get thousands of responses back. So you're just going to be one of the thousands. Um, so we'll add all of those links on witandreason.com. So it'll be really easy for you guys to figure out how do I set up my LinkedIn account? Um, how do I do these surveys so I can learn more about what the potential opportunities are that might be of interest to me um, and how to how to boost up that opportunity to find employment. Another piece that I'd like to mention is that, um, as I previously mentioned, um, employment can be a place where you get a lot of human connection. And so if that's taken away from you all of a sudden and you're no longer employed and you're no longer connected to your coworkers or to your team, and it can be very isolating Mm -hmm. um, and lonely. And I think that might be contributing to those increased rates of um, anxiety and depression. Um, So make sure that you find some kind of support group. Um, Other people who are in a similar situation looking for work or go to networking opportunities, uh, find a mentor so that way you still have some kind of human connection while you're going through this really difficult stage in your life. Now let's go ahead and talk about underemployment. Underemployment um, would be a situation where you're working in a position that underutilizes your skills or knowledge and or it's a time when you're employed but at a lower level or at a lower rate of pay. A lot of people are struggling with underemployment. Um, This is another major concern, and there's emerging evidence that underemployment also has meaningful impacts for our well-being. So what advice do you have for people who might be underemployed? I would say that to make sure that you know the value that you have, Mm -hmm. um, do research, compare based on your skills, years of experience, and the value that you add to the organization. Um, I find that many people are underemployed and have been working in a particular place for a great length of time. Mm-hmm. So the organizational knowledge that they have is a value that they may not even think of. Yeah. You can't hire someone new and bring them in and like have them have the knowledge that you've had working in an undervalued role. Mm-hmm. So I'd say make sure you do that. And then also think about what does a living wage mean for you um, and to monetize your passions. And don't be afraid to go out and make a change. I wanted to say a little bit about uh, Mm -hmm. this LinkedIn study that uh, was really popular and came out. Um, There are over 7 million users and uh, LinkedIn surveyed about 10,000 people. And they found that if you're a millennial, you're likely to change your job at least four times in the first decade that you've been out of college. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that this piece about changing jobs and having success needs to be embraced by everyone because if, if a particular place isn't working for you and it's not maximizing your skills, passions, experience, Mm -hmm. then you should feel inspired to do research to see where you might be able to move and take the next step. Right, right. I agree. Okay, so now getting a little bit more specific, um, talking about culture and identity and how that influences our work decisions. We all operate within a cultural context um, and our behavior, including our work decisions, can be influenced by our gender, racial identity, background, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, age, and the presence or absence of a disability. So. Um, Looking at the American Psychological Association, they they were mentioning that these contextual influences help um, to form our environments and our responses to the environment. So as a consulting psychologist, it's really important for me to understand which cultural identity variables are salient to the people that I'm working with Mm -hmm. um, and in which ways are those um, 
how do those variables intersect as well? So how have you noticed culture and identity influence a person's pursuit and experience of work? I definitely have seen it in the um, negative, mainly. Mm -hmm. um, there are folks, um, brown folks, um, black and brown folks that I work with who really want to get into tech and they feel like they can't because there is a barrier there and they don't have the network, they don't have the context, but they have the skills. Right. And I think that there aren't enough, um, there needs to be more like sort of opportunities for folks to um, break those barriers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there isn't, any way to say, like, look, if you're in the tech industry and you do not see it as diverse, you have a whole network, sort of a hive of brown, black and brown people. How do you link those two? Yeah. Um, so there, I spent a lot of time sort of looking into how I might find those opportunities and networks mm -hmm. to connect them. There's one that um, I like to talk about that people don't know, and it's the Flatiron School, and okay. they offer 0%, like $0 mm -hmm. tuition. And the reason why $0 is so that black and brown folks can then focus on what they need to learn uh, to enhance their skills and look competitive, mm -hmm. and then they find them the jobs. And so wow. you're part of this network, you're a fellow as part of the school, and then that gives you opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I totally think you know race is definitely one, race and ethnicity is one sort of mitigating factor, but then another piece is around you know, how do you talk about your skills in a way that really stand out. Yeah. And that to a lot of folks might sound like showboating. And mm -hmm. if you're humble and you're raised to be um, like, I don't really. It could be a cultural clash to, totally. to talk about, to talk well about yourself, you know, and the skill set that you have mm -hmm. <clears throat> or to ask for a raise, you know, or to negotiate money. And so trying to figure out how do I balance my cultural values or cultural upbringing with the realities of the workforce and what I need to do in order to make sure I'm getting my needs met. Absolutely. That's always a, a challenge too that, that needs to be worked through. Yeah. Okay. So, um, some, some issues do come up at work. Um, harassment is one of them. Uh, harassment is, uh, unwelcome conduct that is based on race, color, religion, sex, including if, whether or not you're pregnant, national origin, um, age. So if you're like 40 or older disability, um, or genetic information now harassment, um, becomes unlawful where, um, it's, uh, enduring the uh, offense conduct becomes a condition of continued employment. Um, the conduct is severe or pervasive enough to create a work environment that is uh, that a reasonable person would consider intimidating, hostile, or abusive. Um, and so if you're in a situation like that, um, employees are encouraged to inform the harasser directly, if you can, that the conduct is unwelcoming. So you're setting up those uh, boundaries and letting them know that this is not appropriate and it must stop. Um, it's also encouraged that employees should report the harassment to management um, at an early stage to prevent it from getting worse. Um, and then if you're claiming that an employer has discriminated against you, um, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or the EEOC may be able to help. Um, they have a public um, portal. You could just Google it or you'll find a link on our webpage too. Um, have you had to work with anybody who's dealing with that kind of harassment at, at work and that's why that's what's motivating their change? Yes, um, I've primarily seen it. I, I've worked with um, waiters, uh, folks from the restaurant industry, and yeah. um, one of the most per 
I mean, that industry is like the most pervasive. I've done some looking into the EEOC research Mm -hmm. and sexual harassment for women. And um, I have had two clients, one who switched from being a waitress to a sonographer and (laughs) figuring out that pathway. Uh But she um, didn't know her rights Mm -hmm. and thought that that was uh, business as usual from manager, from a manager um, sexually harassing her. And we had to sort of map out a game plan for her to figure out, okay, well, what are my rights? Mm -hmm. What actions, like, very concretely can I take to first report the complaint? When you report it directly, when you tell the person who's abusing you Mm -hmm. and they're in a position of power, she did that. That didn't work so well. He started cutting her hours, um, you know, kind of messing with her money flow. Mm -hmm. Um, She tried to explain it to the owner. Nothing occurred. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she uh, started taking legal action that Mm -hmm. things started shifting for her but she then learned that that environment wasn't the best and ended up leaving Mm -hmm. um, but still filed a complaint um, formally and so I I definitely think that these issues are really key really important for you to know number one what are your rights as a worker and not be thinking that you don't have that and Mm -hmm. uh, sort of paralyzed by fear to not know what steps to take. But I think starting with the EEOC, using that tool is really, really helpful and key. Yeah. They actually even have a youth program um, that I'm going to talk about a little bit later where they're starting at younger ages, teaching the youth, here are your rights, your civil rights while you're at work, because you do have them, they do exist. Um, Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of good educational opportunities and outreach um, for youth as well. All right. So now that we have a great understanding about how important our career is across our lifespan. Um, let's go ahead and go to some more specific questions about what some challenges people are facing um, in their career lives. Um, so I guess what I've been thinking about lately is how we as 30-somethings are kind of caught in the middle of our careers. Um, and that's been on my mind just because I, I feel like when you're in your 30s, you're kind of just in suspension you're in the middle of your career you're not a 20 something starting out but you're also not near retirement age um so i guess what i've been thinking about is how do we deal with being stuck in the middle how do we not revert back into the things and the bad habits that we used to do when we started out in the workforce but how do we also not get stuck worried about the future or thinking too far ahead or not being aware enough about what we need to do now. Um, so yeah, it's it's just really, how do we deal with being in the middle? Great question from someone who's in their 30s or in their middle phase of their career development. What kind of advice do you have? <laughs> how do we deal with not getting into a rut? I think that uh, she, she said something that was that really stood out in my mind and it was this notion of being stuck. Yeah. Uh, and like sort of stuck in the middle. Uh-huh. And I would say, number one, reject that notion that you're stuck anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, it's like sort of the heart of empowerment. When you're thinking about where you want to move to next, what where do you want to end up? You're, you might be in your 30s working in a job you've been kind of uh, feeling like you need to have so you can pay the bills, save money, maybe yeah. you want to buy a house, maybe you want to do stuff, and you have to work in this one particular job for five years, and you're starting to get tired of it, but you haven't invested any energy into thinking, 
What might I do next? What is it that I really want to do? What have these last five years been like? Mm -hmm. And once you figure out where you want to ultimately go to next or potentially where you could go to next, then that will motivate you to take some action. So um, I always reference our sort of visual about sort of the career process and in terms of five phases. And mm -hmm. I think this, what this person is describing, it really is, they're sort of stuck in the middle in this phase of, and would require them to think about, uh, not take sort of a, um, sort of a, um, diagnostic of, of uh -huh. where you might want to go to next yeah. and then start doing research, uh, exploring what are some other possibilities. And then once you get into taking those actions, you sort of have to track what your thinking is mm -hmm. around where you are and where you want to go to next. And if you need a lot of help with like undergoing that kind of process, then you hire a coach, you hire someone to help facilitate it. Mm -hmm. But I totally think um, rejecting the notion that you're stuck is really key. That's the first step. It's yeah. mindset. Yeah. And even if you're in the middle phase of your career development, doesn't necessarily mean that the curiosity or the exploring different options, even within your own organization, doesn't mean that that stops. You know, you get to, you have the opportunity to keep on building your professional self. Absolutely. You know? I think we need to think of it as like a continuum over span, over a time span. Yeah. So let's go ahead and listen to another question. So I am a director who is building a team of, you know, an assistant director and other people from a higher level to, you know, entry level positions. And so while I care about my advancement, I also want to know how do I best ensure that I am advancing the team below me and making certain that they have all the tools that they need to to succeed. So one of the things I'd say uh, to make sure your team is brought up is to really know what are their values, what are what are their strengths. Um, you could totally um, have your team take the values and action survey and then sort of take a look at where their top strengths are, like the top five, and then see, okay, how might you use those strengths to really um, have them do their next plan of development, whatever that might be for your particular work context. And um, I'd also say that I appreciate you being a good manager mm -hmm. in terms of wanting to lift your people up. That is so, um, that is so key. Okay. And how would someone, while well, also building their team, focus on their professional development and do the day-to-day -day of putting out all the fires? <laughs> How yeah. do you like balance all of that at the same time? I think um, one of the managers that I've worked with before who had sort of a similar passion did the, what he called like 10-minute coaching um, sessions when he had check-ins with his one-on-ones uh, with his uh -huh. um, the people that he managed. Yeah. And in those 10 minutes, you could really, and you just focus on who is the, what is the individual, um, what do they want, what are their strengths and how are they getting there? And if you do that over a period of a month, 10 minutes devoted exclusively to that, where you don't talk about, okay, well, what are you doing and mm -hmm. how are you doing it? But who are you and what, how is this feeding you? Yeah. I think that that, it, that would help um, really block it off because you only have a certain right. amount of time to really focus. But 10 minutes in a one-on-one -on -one meeting leaves you 50 minutes if it's an hour or 20 minutes if it's half an hour to really um, get at that. 
Thank you so much for your time and, and for addressing some of these questions. Visit witandreason.com to get links to the resources we shared on today's show and to connect with me, Dr. Alexis Bruno, and Dr. Lanisha Adams. Did you hear something on the show today that you relate to on a personal level? Share your story. Send us your recording on witandreason.com and we may be able to post it on our career and well-being show page to help others navigate their career development. A special thank you to DC Radio and of course, thank you all for listening. Stay posted on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at Wit and Reason and DC Radio for our next show. I'm Dr. Alexis Moreno. Let's keep the conversation going. You've been listening to Wit and Reason with psychologist Dr. Alexis Moreno. For more information, visit witandreason.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.